Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. This is going to be another great episode. Thank you so much for coming on and hanging out. Guys, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things and we're going to be talking about sex. Yes, I said that sex word. So guys, make sure that you get a pen and paper ready because you're going to want to hear this. We're going to be talking about how to become the total man. But I want to thank, first thank our sponsors. As you guys know, um, I love working out. I've been in the health and fitness industry for over 30 years. And one of our sponsors is the number one supplement company in the world, NutriBio. I want to thank them. I just got done doing my workout and I'm taking their post-workout. Help me recover. So thank you, NutriBio and Mark Lazier. Ryan, my brother, what's going on? How's your day going? Good, man. Good. I just finished my workout, too. Thanks for oh, having yeah. me. So talk to us. Okay, so we'll, we'll start there. What kind of workout do you do, and do you take any supplements? I take a ton of supplements, a uh, big believer. So when you were actually saying the supplement you take, I'm like, man, I got to get a sample of this stuff. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm really big into working out. I was a personal trainer for 10 years. Uh, it's kind of, uh, it's who I am. I just actually did, have you heard of the 75 hard program from Andy Purcell? Oh, yeah. So I, I, I love him. Um, I'm actually having Andy come on the show probably in the next month or two. Oh, cool, cool. So I did 100 days hard. Um. I, I had someone challenge me. He said, why don't you just go from 75 and make it an easy 100? Um, so I did that. So I'm kind of in post 100 uh, doing some active you know, rehab and stuff like that. And I'm going to do 75 hard again on August 15th, which is the day after my 39th birthday. You're a young buck. <laughs> you're, you're a youngin. Which I, is I, 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 it all depends who you hang around, right? So – well, Some people, uh, people on my team tell me I'm old. Well, it's okay because I'm. I started getting really deep into talk, you know, about learning about mindset. So I'm actually, you know, listening to books from like um, the 1900s and the 1920s. So you know, it depends. Cool. Like you said, it all depends. But it doesn't matter who you're hanging out with, as long as you're not the smartest one in the room. Truth. Truth. So talk to us. Uh, you know, we're gonna hop everywhere. You know, people know that when they come on the show. It's just like two brothers sitting, having a cup of coffee, just BSing. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from and what kind of little boy was Ryan. Oh, boy. All right. So I'm from born and raised in New York. Uh, I went away to college, so I haven't lived here my entire life. Um, what but part a, of, a lion's share of it. What, what part of New York? Long Island. So I'm oh. about 40 minutes west of the city. Um, my office is in Garden City, and I live in Glen Cove. Okay, because I'm in Jersey, and I live right by uh, Giant Stadium. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool. Yeah, man. So I, I've pretty much been born and raised here my entire life, like I said, minus the you know time being away for college and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would say I had an atypical childhood. Um, parents divorced when I was very, very young, and then my mother remarried. So I lived with my mother and my stepfather. My mother's, uh, she's still, unfortunately, uh, an alcoholic and drug addict. So, so needless to say, it was an interesting, an interesting go in my early years. Now, I, I can really relate because my mother was an addict and I eventually became an addict, but now I'm clean over 30 years now. Congratulations. So talk to us about, you know, because a lot of people, when they come up, you know, when they, they listen to the show, they like to hear, you know, why, how you became the man you became. So what was it like as a child dealing with those kind of circumstances? Yeah. So, you know, and I'm sure we'll get there, but I, I have three young kids uh, and a six month old and you know, every aspect of every single one of my days, my goal as a parent is to make my kids feel safe and secure. And that's the opposite of what I had as a child growing up, I never had that sense of safety or security because I never knew exactly which version of my mother I was getting. And then, as I mentioned, my parents divorced, but I also did see my father. He was in my life, but he also suffered from bipolar disorder. So it was never that calm that I see when I look at my kids. So it shaped me. It helped me 
but it was a very uneasy childhood. So I had to, I had to, I was in survival mode, I would say for most of childhood, um, which I think has benefited me later in life. But, but the early years were not, were not the carefree ones that I strive to give my kids. No, like, you know, like when, when I was a child growing up, um, and my parents always argued and sometimes it got violent. Um, the things I would escape to was books and I became a voracious reader, you know, and that's something that was one of my coping mechanisms. What sure. were some of your coping mechanisms? Sports, sports. That The only, the only thing that I pretty much focused my entire childhood on was, was playing baseball. So that got me out of the house that got me connected with, teams and youth leagues and coaches and mentors so it was that was my escape from my reality day in and day out and the unfortunate part about that was that I played baseball so much I ended up getting injured so my my sports career came to a halting stop I ended up having six orthopedic surgeries so that was a that was a that was a different fork in the road but yeah to your point, I mean, escape, having an escape, I think, is probably what saved me from going down a dark path when I was a child. Okay, most important question of all, Yankees, Mets? <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan. All right, then you can stay on the show. All right, cool, good. Podcast. I was going to say, I have another podcast after this. I'm about to hop off this one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so did, how were you in high school? What kind of kid? Now, were you still playing baseball through high school? I, I got I got hurt in 10th grade, and that's kind of where my my sports – I made a comeback in college, but it was short-lived I because uh, I, I, I re-injured myself. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, traveled, I traveled the country playing baseball up until that point, and then I had um, – I had orthopedic shoulder uh, shoulder surgery, orthopedic elbow surgery, and it was like they didn't just go in one time. It was like I said, six different times. Um, so yeah, I mean, so talk was, to us about you know because I I've been in like I said the health and fitness industry for over thirty years, and I've dealt with a lot of players from Major League Baseball, NFL, WWE, and I know so, that sometimes they can come back physically. But it, a lot of times it's coming back mentally. So what was it like knowing that, you know, you've been playing baseball all these years, knowing that your career was over? What was the mindset like? Yeah, it was uh, I would say it was a why me? Why why this happened to me? It's not fair mentality for quite some time. And then I I was never a A student. I was a solid B student and I didn't really care all that much and then when i got hurt i really didn't care i was like eh whatever um so you know i i was that mentality definitely hurt me once i was out of sports because i didn't really have any motivation behind me at that point so my mindset was definitely not in the right place so what college did you go to and what did you decide to study Sure. I, uh, I ended up going to school at Coastal Carolina down in South Carolina. Okay. First of all, I got to tell you, I love you. I love you. I love you. My son is at Coastal right now. Oh, get out of here. And he's actually becoming, he's, he's going back for a second year. He's going to be a marine biologist. Yeah, that, that was a huge program down there. And um, I actually retired out of the military, out of the Conway National. Oh, so get out of here. I'm a, I'm a South Carolina boy. Wow. That's great. Yeah, I loved it, man. When I when I was down in coastal, I lived down the block from the beach. It was uh it was an amazing life down there for sure. So what did you go to school for? I went to I studied finance. And so that's a great place to uh, to go to school. Yeah. So did you because you know now you actually had to put your nose to the grindstone. Yep. Did you decide that you were going to give it as much attention as you did sports? I gave it probably more. So um, it was my, it was, so I, as I as I mentioned in high school, I was, I was a B student, you know, like I, I tried, but I didn't try that hard. I was more interested in like my social aspect of high school and whatnot than anything else. But in my very first semester in college, I realized the teachers didn't really care if you handed something in or not. They didn't really care if you showed up to class or not. And um, my very first semester in school, I got a three, three, eight. And I was like, shit this is not it's not bad 
but it's certainly not going to get me to where I want to be in life. And where I wanted to be in life was totally opposite of what I saw growing up. I think you were spending too much time at Broadway at the beach. I was, I was spending a lot of time at Broadway at the beach. <laughs> that's for damn sure. Um, so I said, okay, I said, I, I have to, I have to figure out a new way. And I didn't, I didn't really know what that new way was, except I just started to bust my ass. And, and then I almost ended up graduating with a, with close to a four Oh. So what, so what made you, you know, cause we all know that, you know, living in, in, in South Carolina, it's kind of laid back. Um, so what made you want to move back to the East coast? I, I guess I thought that's where the money was, you know, finance, go make some money in New York city kind of a thing. So it was just, I, I, I kind of closed the coastal Carolina chapter and, um, and decided to move back to New York. So talk to us about, you know, cause a lot of people, you know, they, they go to college and get a degree and then they hit the street and then it's like, okay, now what, you know, I have a piece of paper, but that doesn't do me any good unless I, I start, you know, putting my nose to the grindstone. So what yeah. did you do when you moved back? I hustled. <laughs> I hustled literally like handing out business cards, like doing some like gorilla type stuff um, to get my very first business off the ground and moving. And then thereafter, I became a what I like to call a failed serial entrepreneur. So I got involved in many businesses, none of which worked until I started to realize that I was just spreading my focus in so many different directions um, that I wasn't giving much attention to any specific thing. You know, and I love that. And now we're going to have, we have a lot of people on here that are, that are veterans that are entrepreneurs. Um, so we're going to be talking about, uh, niching down and sure. sometimes, you know, in battle, you know, you, if you just do the whole pray and spray thing, Yeah, it doesn't work too well. Not at all. Talk to us, you know, cause sometimes if you don't niche down, you know, you're, you're trying to reach everybody, but you're not reaching anyone. It, so, so, it, I was a jack of all trades and master of none. So what did you finally decide, decide to niche down to? So I, was, I decided to niche down and, and concentrate in the health and wellness industry. So I, as, I, as I kind of started with, I was a personal trainer um, for 10 years. And then I got involved with a business partner and opened a health and wellness practice. And even that while that seems like that's a niche, it's not niche enough. You have to then then go even further in who is your client? Who is your avatar? What do they think about? What problems do they have? And the further and further down the rabbit hole I went with, with narrowing that niche, the easier it was to help a very specific kind of person. And when you can do that and you show a track record in doing that, then people are going to then reward you by paying you the money you deserve. So, so to answer your question, the more specific I got, the more focused I got, the more money I made. And I love that, you know, because you can either be a, you know, like if you're a surgeon, a heart surgeon, you can either be a heart surgeon and get paid as a heart surgeon, or you could be like Dr. Oz being a heart surgeon and getting paid buku buku pucks because you become the authority in that sure. and you become a celebrity. Absolutely. So now how did that start working out for you? How did, what kind of uh, things did you have to change going from praying and spraying to start niching down? Did you have to start cutting out certain things? M more so I had to start getting in the mind of the people that I wanted to help. Like I had to, to say to myself, okay, what keeps these people up at night? What struggles are they facing? You know, what, do, what, what conversations are they having? And I think when you could put yourself in the place of your customer or consumer or client, and you could speak to their problem better than they can, they then give you the credibility to be able to solve the problem. You know, and I love that, you know, like my friend Gary Vaynerchuk says that empathy is so important. 
you know, and, and the best business practice you can ever do in business is to care. Sure. So talk, talk to us about empathy and caring for people. Oh man, I might misquote this. So if, if I do, I'll, I'll leave it to you to pick me up. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yep. Zig Ziglar. Love it. And, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that was really it. So for there was a long period of time where I was failing in all these different businesses. So I, I really, before I started to narrow down and to do the things I'm telling you now, I started to say, okay, I need acquisition of knowledge. I need to go to seminars. I need to read books. I need to buy courses. I need... And there was a period of time, I'm not going to be to the dollar, but I probably spent close to $200,000 on personal development, courses, seminars, coaching, and you name it. I did it. And while all those things help, they didn't do exactly what I was looking for until I started to narrow down and get inside the head of the consumer. So now at this time, were you married? Were you single at this time? <laughs> uh, it was kind of crossing over. I was dating my, so this, this, this goes, the failing started before my wife. And then I was failing, you know, when we were starting to date and then I'll never forget, we had this beautiful wedding out in California in 2014. And because I, I didn't, I didn't want my failing to detract from her dream wedding. So we, again, it was a beautiful wedding um, at the Monarch Beach Club in Laguna Beach and uh, rented this house on, in, on the ocean in Laguna. And I'll never forget when we left there, I looked at the bank account and I literally had $3,000 left to my name. I was like, shit. And uh, it was, it was tough. It was tough. You but, know, like I did a video today. You know, I do a video every day. Um, cool. And it, it says, you know, you have, sometimes you have to fail to succeed. And, you know, we're talking, I was talking about, about, you know, how Abraham Lincoln got his ass kicked on, on a lot of elections and he actually had a nervous breakdown yep. before he became president. Yep. Yep. So just imagine if he would have quit, we sure. would never, you know, he wouldn't have changed history. So sometimes we have to fail in order to succeed. But unfortunately in business or now the social media world, people are faking it until they make it. Sure. And a lot of times they don't make it, you yep. know, you know, like last year, two years ago, you know, when before COVID, People were taking pictures with their Lambos and their yeah, the rented Lambos. And now they're living in mom's basement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So, you know, so like you said, with your wedding, you know, you, if, if you would, if people would have just looked at the pictures of the house and the, the, the Laguna Beach, they thought, wow, he's got it going on. Oh, yeah. But when you oh, look yeah. at your, your bank account, you're like, I don't have it going on. Correct. So what was it like when you, that, that, you know, that come to Jesus moment when you looked at your account and be like, all right, stuff's got to change. Yeah. What, what so did you do? Two things. I want to go back to the failure thing really quickly. Um, I, I think back then I had the wrong relationship with failure compared to my relationship with failure now. I mean, I fail every day now, but I don't look at failing as like, oh man, I lost. I look at it as like, oh, okay, cool. What can I learn? And if I could figure out why it didn't go the way I planned it to go, and I can improve upon that, I'm like, it's, it's, I, it's, I call it life's tuition. I can get better, move on, and build stronger from that. So I just wanted to make that point. What I did at that point um, in 2014 when we got back from, uh, from the wedding, I just said, okay, one thing. No, no more shiny objects, no more distracting my attention. What, what I did was I invested a lot of my money that I was making into other people's hopes, dreams, missions, businesses, opportunities, and I wasn't pouring into my thing. And I said, okay, I'm cutting off all distractions. I don't care what opportunity comes my way. I'm, I'm saying it, it'll, it'll be no first and then I'll think about it as opposed to I used to say yes first and then think about it later. So I just, I went all in on one thing. That's pretty much, that's 
the biggest change. You know, and I love that, you know, even like, you know, when Gary said that, you know, he was running his father's business, making the company was making $60 million a year and he was driving the Jeep Compass. I mean, a Jeep, a Jeep Grand Cherokee only making 60 grand a year because he was trying to build something more. So what was it like? Because a lot of times, you know, when you start becoming a little bit successful, people get that, like you said, the shiny object syndrome, you know, all of a sudden they're driving a Corvette or, you know, they're buying the big house, but they're not really hitting their goal that their utmost goals and they're spending money on stuff that they don't need to be. I did that already. <laughs> so when I, when I, I, it was funny. Um, I, I can remember all the way back. I think it was 2009. I want to say, yeah, 2009. I made like, I think it was $7,000 in a month. And that was the most money I had ever made up to that point in time. And I was like, I made it. And then I literally, I'll never forget. I literally went, um, to this very expensive shopping center uh, close to my house. And I, it, it was almost like pretty woman, but the opposite it was, it was, I was, the, you know, I was the guy buying all the stuff. I went and bought suits and Burberry jackets and Dolce and Gabbana belts. And oh my gosh, $500 shoes, sunglasses. So yeah, yeah, I was, I was misdirected for a, for a period of time for sure. So now talk to us about what you're doing today. And sure. I want to get into the specifics. So yep. what are you doing now? What is, how do you pay your bills? How do you take care of your family now? Sure. So um, I, I, I have a, a few different businesses now. Um, my primary business is coaching and consulting. I, I coach married businessmen and entrepreneurs, primarily how to grow their business without neglecting the people that are most important to them. I also get income and revenue sharing from a health and wellness practice that I'm a part of. I also own a, a part, a portion of a franchise business. So I have multiple streams of income now. My primary thing that I do day in and day out is I work and consult with, uh, with business owners and entrepreneurs. Okay. So now I want to talk about that because uh, my wife, um, she's my bride. Uh, she's my, my rock. She's at my everything. Sure. For some reason, women have a sixth sense where they know if, if something is off, they'll know. And a lot of guys, you know, that I talk to, they get out of the military. You know, they start a T-shirt, a hat company, a liquor, coffee company. Ten thousand, ten, you know, then six months later, they're ten thousand dollars in debt. Don't know what the hell just happened. And a lot of it because they didn't sit down and had that hard conversation with their significant other about what they were going to do until the crap hit the fan. And then they had to have an even harder conversation. So talk to us about, you know, sitting down with your significant other and having that talk before you go into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So my wife and I, everything fully transparent, everything is fully open. She has access to all the bank accounts. She, she can see anything whenever she wants to, I, I don't even know if she looks, um, but for me, having that type of relationship with my wife is extremely important. Now, with that being said, I shoulder the burden of of supporting my family financially, so she never has to worry about that. Um, but as far as if I have to have an open, transparent conversation, like I, I keep her in the know. There's no hiding things. There's no, you know meetings behind closed doors. Everything is fully open, honest, and transparent. I just find it a very easy way to live life, right? There's no secrets. There's no skeletons in the closet. Um, I have so much going on day in and day out with the different businesses. I don't want to bear the burden of extra weight, knowing what I did tell her or what I didn't tell her, what I might have to tell her. So for me, everything is, is fully transparent. And you know, like I, like I said, I've talked to now hundreds of entrepreneurs. And for me, I just can't see a guy running a hundred million dollar company and going home to eat at the kitchen table by himself because his wife left him, his family left him because he put everything into his business 
and neglected the people that sat right across from them every day. And, you know, for me, relationships are everything. So talk to us, you know, cause I know this is what you, this is what you, um, this is what you do. So yeah. I'm going to give you your Ted talk. This is going to be your Rick talk. Yeah. Your Rick talk on, you know, keeping those relationships while building a business at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I look at money at this point in my life as neutral. So, so for me to spend time away from the people that are most important to me for the chase of money, it doesn't resonate with me. Now I know with some people it does, I, I can't fault them or, or, or hold them accountable, but at the end of the day, the things that we miss or we will miss most, the things we didn't do the relationships we just, we didn't have. So I think it's certainly possible to build an amazing business if you do it the right way so that you don't have to sacrifice the most important relationships. Like, like I literally every night I go home and I put my kids to bed, I have this little ticker in my head that says, okay, my oldest son is four, right? I only have so many more nights that he's going to actually want me to put him to bed. And then it's gone forever. I can continue to generate and earn money until the day I die, but there's going to be a point in time where he's like, Hey dad, it's okay. You don't have to come in here anymore. And that just the thought of that, like I know that the sand is leaving that, that uh, hourglass. So I would, I could never and would never sacrifice. And when you talk to a lot of men that are high performers and high earners, when you get deep and have a real conversation with them, I think, 99% of them would agree. And, and uh, you know, like I said, my son is off to, uh, you know, he'll, I got to drive him back next, next week to back to college, mm -hmm. you know, and I used to put him to bed, like, sure. you know, and you start thinking, all right, you know, he's no longer a boy, he's a man. Yep. And so now I have a nine-year-old daughter and I'm like, now I want to take advantage of every time, even just to hold her hand for five minutes. That's yep. like, you know, millions, that's worth more to me than anything in the world. Absolutely. So it's actually funny. I, you know, I have, uh, I have team uh, assistants that work with me and stuff. And um, I have a hard cutoff. Like I'm not taking a meeting after whatever. I think it's 6.15 PM. Right. And if they ever make the mistake because someone says, Oh, listen, this is the only time I could do it. So forth and so on. And they'll come in, they'll say, Hey, Ryan, I'm, I know you're, I know you were scheduled to leave, but so-and-so needed to meet with you. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do me a favor. They're like, yeah. I'm like, grab my phone, call my house and just tell my son that I'm going to be home late. And they're like, wait, you really want me to call and tell, you know, Blake, you're going to be home late. I'm like, yeah. And then when they do that, they feel real bad about it. So that they think twice about scheduling that next meeting late the next time. So my, you know, family for me is the most important thing in my life. Um, I've proven that I can earn millions of dollars and also lose it, but I can't gain back time with those people that, for me. So I love that. You know, I, you know, I interviewed a gentleman. He's a, he became a great friend of mine. His name is John McCaskill. He's a former Navy SEAL commander. And one of the things that he changed, got me into doing was, you know, daily meditation. But he, you know, one thing he talks about is that the most important parts of your day is the time before you go to bed and when you wake up. Yes. So talk to us a little bit, if you don't mind, about what your daily rituals are like in the mornings and nighttime. And if you believe that they're some of the most important times of the day. Yeah. So I think, I think getting up and having a specific routine or, you know, um, master your mornings, I, I think it gets some wins under your belt, right? If you can get up on time, that's a win. If you can get up and take a cold shower, that's a win. Get a workout in, that's a win. You can journal, that's a win. You can write your goals down, another win. So before, before anyone else in the house is up, you can stack together five, six, seven wins, you're more likely to have a productive day. And then inevitably, the middle of the day blows up. It, it always does, right? And it's not a bad thing. It's just stuff goes sideways. So then if you can regain control at the end of the day, 
right? By having like I we have we have nighttime routines with my kids, right? We spend time together, we play sports, we we sing songs, we read. You know, uh, I got them from Andy Frisell. Actually, if if you have, if you know other people with young children, you should recommend Andy's children's books. You know, we we read one of those books every night. We go over what the lessons in the book are. Then I put the kids to bed. Then I spend time with my wife. We have these little um, they're called date night cards. So it's like a stack of cards, and we just flip through a few of them. We ask each other, we connect, we have you know, ask each other the questions, and then I'll read, and then that's it. So, so I, I totally agree um, with your with your friend. If you can master your mornings and control the end of your day, you can keep the ship moving in the right direction for sure. All right. So now we're gonna have some fun conversation because, you know, me and my wife we've been married twelve years, but we've known each other almost almost forty years. Oh, cool. Uh, and she's like I said, we've been married twelve years, and she's still my bride. But you know, a, a wise man once said, you know. Any one man can sleep with a thousand women, but it takes a real man to learn how to please your, your woman a thousand times. Yes. So talk to us about, you know, when you start, you know, we're talking, we're, we're going to talk about health and everything, Sure. but you want to be healthy in the bedroom and the boardroom. So yeah. talk to us about having more sex without having to cheat on your wife. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important to set up, your world in a very specific way, right? If you don't, if you don't have a good relationship with your wife and you guys are fighting and arguing, what's that going to do? That's going to increase the propensity or the tendency or temptation to go look for those relationships elsewhere. And, and if, if you're not connecting with your wife day in and day out, you said it before women have a sixth sense. They, they, they know that, right? So if you're not connecting with them, they're going to become disconnected to you. And when they become, see sex for them is not as like, I mean, I know I'm making a sweeping statement here, but for most men, sex is largely physical for females. It's not right. So if they're disconnected from you emotionally, they're not going to want to be connected to you physically. So creating and carving out space for your wife to, to talk to, to connect with, to, she, she needs to vent whatever that looks like that needs to happen on a regular basis. And if that's happening on a regular basis, she'll feel seen. She'll feel heard. She'll feel connected. She's going to feel more attracted to you. And then all those things when all those things line up and all those boxes are checked, you're going to have more sex. You know, and I love that. And, you know, but I also believe like my, you know, my friend, um, pastor or Bishop, T.D. Jakes once told me when we were having lunch, if you don't date your wife, another man will. A hundred percent. And, you know, a lot of times when we're going after our, our trophy wives, you know, we, we gave them flowers, dinners, you know, no love notes, all that good. All those texts. I love you. And then when we get the trophy, we put the trophy up on the mantle and we forget. Yes. So talk to us about, you know, like for me, you know, like when I get up, every morning I kiss my wife and I say, you know, you're beautiful. I love you. And I try to do things like that throughout the day or just order flowers just because it's a Wednesday, you know, um, because I want to keep that, you know, that relationship. So talk to us about that. You know, even though we have the wife now, yeah. now we have to keep her and we want to keep her, keep her happy. Cause they say, if you want to see how successful your husband is, look at your wife's face. Yes smiling is she happy so talk to us about your you know relationships yeah so now i know I'm, I'm i'm definitely speaking to a wise man so yeah so um i do something called the wife journal and what that is and i go over this with with uh the men that i work with if every day what i'll do is i'll write something that i appreciate or love about my wife in this journal and, you know, I think they would say where your attention goes, your energy flows or vice versa. Yeah. If you're putting your attention, your energy on the things that you appreciate and the things that you love about them, then you're not going to be as likely to focus on the things that they may not have done for you that day or that week. So I think keeping their, their, their attributes at the top of mind all the time is vitally important. And for me, um, 
the, one of the, one of my probably my number one things that I want to make sure I focus on day in and out is being a role model for my kids. And I want my kids to see what a good relationship looks like. So I want my kids to understand how it is so that when they're dating someone one day or married, they learn from dad. So all the time I'm telling my wife, she looks beautiful. And then I'll hear my four-year-old randomly say, Hey mommy, you look beautiful today. So it's, it's making her feel like she felt when we were dating. I love that. And if anybody's listening, guys, there's a book out there called a love there. Um, I do it at least two or three times a year. Um, check it out. It's called love there. It's 40 days to divorce proof your marriage. Just check it out. I don't make any money off of it, but I use it. So if you guys are struggling in your, in your relationship, definitely check it out. So now, okay, we'll talk about business a little bit more if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been in business that, that you're in now and how did COVID affect your business? Sure. So I've been coaching and consulting now since 2017. So I guess coming up on four years. Um, and how did, I got to be honest with you, COVID didn't affect me all that much because when you have someone in your corner, right? A coach, a consultant, a mentor, whomever, when times get tough, people look to you more in those moments for guidance and direction and help. So, so I think if anything, it strengthened my business and I got, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I didn't do as much marketing, right? I didn't do as much, you know, outbound marketing, but I got more referrals, more direct referrals during the COVID time than I had before. Because my clients knew other people that were suffering and were struggling were like, hey, listen, I would love for you to connect with Ryan just to see if he can help. Okay, so if you had to start all over again with little or no money, how would you do it in today's time of social media and marketing? How would you do it? Little or no money. I would try to make as many relationships as possible. I think if you if you can make relationships and add value to people's lives in some way, shape, or form, um, I think I heard someone on a podcast saying like, if you can make someone coffee, that's adding value. And if you're going to do it, make the best damn coffee ever. So make as many relationships as possible. Add as much value as you can to people's life. Genuinely care. Want them to succeed, and people will gravitate towards you. And then when, when you do start to have some money flow in, market yourself like crazy. So how do you do, do you do Facebook ads? Yep. What, what kind of marketing do you yep. do? So we, we do Facebook ads. Um, my primary mode of uh, communication is I, I film video. So I, I produce video content. Um, and what I focus on are the things that keep up my clients at night, the things that they're struggling with. I, I'm, I've been that guy, right? So my, my client is essentially me or where I've been or where I am. So um, we create video content and then we, we do Facebook advertising and then a lot of referral-based stuff. So you know, what's the most important lesson you've learned while being in business? Don't become sidetracked. Don't try to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Uh, I think it's really important if you're in business ownership and entrepreneurship to master what you do. Become very, very, very good at what you do. Be able to do that in your sleep. And then if you'd like to venture into another area of business or entrepreneurship, then do so. Don't just try to get involved in so many different things. And I hear, I keep, I have a lot of young clients too. Um, and I keep hearing this thing over and over again about seven streams of income. It's, it's a good theory. It really is. And eventually one day you can get there, but to try to do everything a little bit ends up you getting you nowhere. So I think um, just pouring yourself in and mastering one thing at a time and then moving forward I think is vitally important. And then number two, I think 
creating a very strong team. A team enables you to leverage time and time is our, you know, most, most valuable commodity. So I think, um, training and empowering and, and having a really good team behind you enables you to go a very far way. You know, and I love that. And by the way, I just want to go back to one thing you were saying, which is talking about, you know, the seven streams of income, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, you know, you know, he wins seven Super Bowls and not until he won his sixth Super Bowl, did he start adventuring out onto other businesses? Because mm-hmm. so he wanted to be the best, you know, the best at what he did. Yep. And then venture out. Correct. Instead of trying to be like Antonio Brown that was trying to do the whole social media thing, rapping, music, and then couldn't even do his regular job. And that was me. Yeah. And, and the reason why I could say is that was me. I made a little bit of money, invested in real estate. Made a little bit of money, got into the restaurant business. Made a little bit of I was, holy shit, did I go the wrong direction. I went every direction but straight. So I, I understand the thought to want to do that. Um, and I just really advise my, I say, we'll, we'll get there. I promise if that's, if that's a, a passion of yours, if that's in your heart, you'll get there eventually, just not before you're capable of doing it. You know, and I love uh, what you were talking about is building a team now, like before, not, uh, I, my other podcast, I had over 300 episodes now wow. this one I'm about like 55, but it wasn't until a friend of mine sat me down and I had, we did a course together and I didn't realize that, you know, like you're talking about, you have to have a team and my, my wife and my brother-in-law made fun of me because I did a video last week and it was called, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so, so hire somebody that does. Yep. And um, so that was something, you know, now I have a team of somebody that does my graphics, somebody that does my logos, somebody that does my SEO. And a lot of times, if you don't have money to do it, you can still barter. There's still the whole bartering system that you can still do in business today that a lot of people don't use. So talk to us about building a team. Yes. So as I said before, and just to, just to reiterate what you said, building a team is, is really is everything. I also think when building a team, you do have to be careful. Hiring what you don't know, I think, is really important. However, you still have to be able to manage them. And if you have no idea what they do, it's hard to then manage them and keep them accountable. So I think there has to be minimum levels of competency in certain areas to be able to manage them, oversee them, guide them and empower them in what they do. Um, but yeah, it, it, what, what I do, I call it a love hate list, right? If I hate something, it doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means it doesn't bring me energy and it drains me. So I want to spend as much time in the love list as I possibly can. So if I can work with clients, if I could speak and create content and be on phone calls, that's what I want to do. I don't want to do bookkeeping and accounting and video editing. Could I do those things? Yeah, I could. I could probably struggle through. I could probably sleep two hours a night and do those things. But then I start to cut into other areas of my life and it drains the shit out of me. Whereas if I'm in my pocket doing what I love to do, I can go so much further, so much faster and and just live a much happier life. See, I, I'm like you, you know, I, I love doing this. I love talking to people. I love building relationships. But as far as, you know, doing graphics, uh, I, I look like a four-year-old did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So I have my friend William that does it. My, my friend Kennedy does all my logos. My, you know, my friend Patrick does all the SEO because that's what they're good at. That's good. So now well, that's two questions I have. Um, how do we find you? How do we get in touch with you? How can we support your mission? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, the easiest way to get in touch with me is my website is called my, M-Y, the word ascension, bydesign.com. And then there's there's infinite ways to get in touch with me right there. You could just literally fill out, uh, I think there's a web form on there, like how to contact us. Um, you could book me to speak. I speak, obviously, the last two years have been a little bit limited. Um but I speak all over the place. I speak at different corporations. I speak at different businesses. I speak to kids. Um, so I'm constantly doing that. So that's, that's another way. 
Um, now, are your videos on YouTube? We have uh, most of our videos on our uh, on our Facebook page. Oh, also, uh, my Facebook private pa- Facebook group is called Ascension of the Entrepreneur. Okay, that's an easy way to get in touch with us. And I, and I'll and the thing is, when you get feedback, the feedback's directly from me. So if if you uh, sign up to be a member of the group, and we let you in, and you have a question, a struggle, a frustration, a challenge, the person that's providing the feedback is me. It's not some chat bot or some assistant that I have. Like like I said, I love connecting with people and helping people, especially I love helping men do what they like to do, which is grow their business. But the deeper thing is help them become better husbands and fathers. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. So all the feedback and the coaching and answering the questions is going to come directly from me right there. Cool. Now, last question, you know, we still live in a crazy world and <laughs> now it seems that, you know, cause you live in Jer- New York, I'm in Jersey. Um, our awesome governors are starting to put mask mandates down on people and businesses again. So, you know, in our area, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Um, so a lot of people are driving for Uber, sure. you know, whatever, trying to make ends meet. And we had some, some grandparents trying to homeschool kids last year that don't know anything about electronics. So it was a total cluster. <laughs> so if there's somebody out there that's listening today, that's, you know, if I ask somebody to do something in it in the next seven days in our crazy world, people are never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to take it. So if somebody is struggling in their business or their relationships, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? Uh, I think it's two, two things. Number one, turn off the news, right? Stop, stop flooding yourself with negativity. Stop flooding yourself with fear. Stop flooding yourself with scarcity mindset. That, and that could literally be like turning off a switch, right? Like literally getting yourself away from that environment. And then number two, if you're lost, find a coach, find a mentor. Like the, the easiest way to collapse time and to get on the right path is to have someone that's been there already help you and guide you. I love that. And, you know, some, some people, like I said, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm a big Dolphins guy. That's my team. I'm a Dolphins fan. And Brady always crushed us every single year. <laughs> but it's amazing that somebody that has seven Super Bowls now was so excited to go to Tampa Bay so he can be coached up. And a lot of people think, you know, well, I don't need a coach. Well, if you have somebody that's the greatest of all time that gets excited about being coached, shouldn't we have coaches? You know what I mean? I couldn't agree more. Listen, there was a period of time where I, I didn't think I needed it. And what's weird is when I was a, an athlete, I always had a coach. I always went to extra coaching. I always went to the extra clinics and I just couldn't correlate the two between my, my, my quote unquote life, my everyday life and sports. But in it all, all I'll, I'll go out on a limb and strike me if I'm wrong. All high performers have coaches. Whether it's coaching mentor groups like uh, like mastermind groups, like Think and Grow Rich, that whole principle, yeah. or they have a one-on-one coach, there is some level of accountability and the willingness to be coached that will make someone great. I don't care what position that you're in or what industry you're in or what you're looking to do or what you used to do. Coaching and mentorship is, is vital. And if you look at it as an investment and not an expense, it's transformative in your life. Yeah. I love that. Cause you know, my friend, Greg, his name is Greg Walker. He owns over 200 and 200 restaurants and his mentor and coach is Les Brown. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, so you've got a guy that owns 200. Because some people get so cocky, be like, you know, I own 200 restaurants. I don't need coaching from anybody. But he goes to Les Brown when he needs help. So we all need, you know, coaches. And, brother, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I'm so grateful. And people know that when they come on my show is when the relationship 
just begins. So if there's anything I can ever do to help you, um, and I would love to collaborate together in the future and maybe you know, take the families out for dinner, get together. And, you know, since we're so close to each other. You let me know if you're ready for three young kids, and I, and I would love to make that happen, man. Uh, I really appreciate you. Uh, all the questions you could ask, I could tell it wasn't about you. It was nope. about people that are out there listening. So yep. I appreciate that, and I know they do too. So thank you for having me. Go Sean DeClairs. <laughs> yes. Did you see that kick-ass year that we had in football? Can I tell you something really, really quickly? Yeah. So my last year, the year I graduated, was the very first year they had a football team. Really? Yep. And they had some great football players that I, some pros actually that came out of you. Came I know, I know, it's crazy. Ball. It was, it was a very the stadium was being built, and finally in my senior year, um, they had the football team. They weren't very good when they started, by the way. Yeah, but now they had an amazing season. I think we're gonna have an amazing season. Yeah, All right, man. brother. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful weekend. You too. Appreciate God it. bless you and the family. Absolutely. Hi, right, brother. Bye. Bye. Hey guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out, hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee, and, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey. From Darkness to Light, definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment. 